Welcome to Cinema Chop Shop. Watch. Chop. Retrofit. Is this where we do our Happy Father's Days? Sure. I want to wish a Happy Father's Day to my dad, John. I call him John. But I went to the dentist today, 41 years in, no cavities. Woo! And I just want to thank him for making those guns and bartering them for my braces and sealants. <laughs> and so I appreciate it. Happy Father's Day. This one's for you. Over to you, Sean. Happy Father's Day to my dad, Larry, who will be joining us this weekend. So uh, by the time this drops, he'll be gone, but not gone, gone. Gone, gone. He'll just be on the road. in for a visit. See him down the road. Chelsea? Uh, happy Father's Day to John and to Larry. There you go. All right. So welcome to Season 9, Episode 8 of Cinema Chop Shop. This is a movie podcast that concedes that remakes are going to happen. So why shouldn't movie buffs... Like us. ...decide who is recast in those iconic roles? My name is... Travster and Commander, a.k.a. Travster of the Sierra Madre. Yes. A.k.a. The Trafficking Queen. <laughs> the Trafficking Queen the, is pretty fucking good. The Trafficking Queen. I love it. And I'm joined here in the shop by my co-host and very verbose co-producer, Sean Tiki, a.k.a. Sean Bad's Seventh Voyage, a.k.a. Safari Sean. Nice. Also in our third seat, Chop Shop Regulator, Chell of the Wild, a.k.a. The Treasure of the Chell Sierra Madre, <laughs> a.k.a. You're not ready. I'm not. City Slickers 2, The Legend of Chelsea's Gold. Yes! <laughs> Further description of the show, the tagline says, watch Chop Retrofit, because essentially that's what we do here. We watch older movies. Sometimes they're classic films with iconic actors, and then we retrofit them by tweaking the design with new parts. Quick disclaimer, we're not actually in favor of the remake, reboot, sequel, dependent cinematic culture. You're going the wrong way! This is more of an exercise in satire and irony. We try to be funny, and sometimes we succeed, but tune in next week to find out. That brings us to our first segment, which is going to be movie news, right? And we do have... Unfortunately, a RIP to report here at the beginning of movie news. Actor Ned Beatty of Deliverance and Superman and many, many more has died at the age of 83 of natural causes. That's and right. so rest in peace and rest in power to him. He no longer has to squeal like a pig. And that comes to us from CNN.com. Next, Elijah Wood and Julia Davis join Peter Dinklage in the Toxic Avenger reboot. I know we don't like reboots, but are we on board with Peter Dinklage as the Toxic Avenger? I've got to see what they're doing with it first. When we see some stills. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm still guarded. Yeah. Chelsea, same? Yeah, totally okay. same. All right, next up, Kate Bosworth and... Well-known actor slash rapper 2 Chains have joined Millennium Media's The Enforcer. And this is an exclusive from ScreenDaily.com. Kate Bosworth and rap star 2 Chains have joined Antonio Menderes on Millennium Media's noir thriller The Enforcer. Any thoughts? No. None at all? 
This shouldn't have made movie news. <laughs> Next up, Scarlett Johansson says, Black Widow was sexualized and treated like a piece of ass in early MCU appearances. It's comic books. Johansson said, It's been incredible to watch Black Widow's representation change over a decade. And that comes to us from IndieWire.com. Next, this is one I just sent to you today. I'm kind of excited about it. I put it on my list, my watch list on IMDb. It's a movie called Last Film Show, where an Indian boy creates his own cinema in a sweet ode to the movies. It's playing at the Tribeca Film Festival, paying homage to everyone from Sergio Leone to Satyajit Ray. Hope I pronounced that correctly. This coming-of-age story is an ethereal take on the magic of movies. Next, Doug Lyman, director of Live, Die, Repeat, things like that, has revealed, also at Tribeca, that his first film was about dogs pooping in Central Park. <laughs> it was a short documentary about dogs in Central Park, which Lyman's older sister was quick to criticize. She was like, it's just dogs shitting. Who's going to watch that? <laughs> and that comes to us from Variety. Uh, the last story that I have, I don't know if you guys have any addendums, but I've got this one, which is kind of cool. Disney taps top African tune talents for animated anthology Kizazi Moto. And this is from Variety as well. Inspired by the continent's diverse histories and cultures, the 10-part anthology brings together a slate of rising animation talents from six African nations to produce action-packed sci-fi and fantasy stories that will present bold visions of advanced technology, aliens, spirits, and monsters imagined from a uniquely African perspective. It sounds cool. Bravo to that. And I think that we can look forward to that in 2022. Okay. Well, I think that will wrap us up on movie news for this week. You guys hear a phone ringing? That must mean it's time for the Department of Corrections Department with Chief Corrections Officer Dana. Howdy, Chop Shoppers. Travis, you're getting some time in the hole this week for choosing camping over recording hosting before marshmallow roasting. Fun fact, my mom has a copy of the LP of Ali Sheedy reading She Was Nice to Mice. I've never listened to it. Maybe I should. Patricia Clarkson's character in High Art was German. The Australian actress from Pitch Black is Rada Mitchell. Annie Murphy's new show is called Kevin Can Fuck Himself. I hope all of her TV roles won't be in shows with pseudo-expletives in the title. That's it. I'm off to the store to get some head and shoulders for this wicked dandruff. See you next week. All right. Thank you, Dana, for that. I do appreciate everything that you do, as do ev everyone in the room and the chop shoppers out there. But if you only knew how that camping trip worked out, uh, you would not fault me for it. It's kind of like when you call in sick to work, but you're not really sick. I Bad things happen to you. And, and so you, you, you bailed on the podcast. I got dim sum out of it. Well, that's a consolation prize. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing us to the theme of the episode. In celebration of Father's Day, we're talking action adventure movies. Sean, does your dad like action adventure movies? 
I think so. And, and I, you know, it's funny you, you say action adventure and it's like, if you search action adventure, Google you get actions and adventures. Well, Google really likes to throw in the action movies, but I tend to skew more towards the adventure right. side. The, I think that's that's more in the wheelhouse of what we're talking. Yeah, about. yeah, we're talking explorers, treasure hunters, fortune hunters. Uh, you know, those kind of films that take you on a big, you know, hijinks filled journey from one end to the other. Those are great films, and there are many <laughs> throughout history, and some really good ones along the way, and there's some shit ones along the way too. Absolutely. And I think that we we talked about this influence recently, but the old like nickel serials, right. the adventure novels and comics after that are a strong influence on this genre. Absolutely. There was a fascination with Egyptology mm-hmm. and uh, you know British colonialism in India, and that kind of stirred up a lot of interest in antiquities and that sort of thing. And then of course, like you said, the short form of cliffhanger serials that keep people coming back week after week to the, the Nickelodeon theaters. Right. Uh, that was a huge uh, uh, um, spawning ground for this genre. Indeed. And Chelsea, you um, had a lot of exposure to this genre, this sub genre this week. And, oh yeah. Uh, how do you feel walking away from that? So I think I've probably watched a ton of action adventure, obviously more adventure movies growing up, but I saw some friggin' iconic ones this week and there's still something about it that just like ignites my childhood. Like I felt like a little kid. I wanted to have like a bowl of cereal. Yes. With that being said, we're going to go into our next segment, which is the Midnight Double Feature. And this is where we go around the panel and we each kind of pitch two movies that would make a great double feature in this subject and so uh chelsea regulate you're going first um i have a movie from 1984 and 1985 okay i've romancing the stone yes which was amazing so good i loved it drink and i have the jewel of the nile which you can the sequel to romancing the stone it's obviously an inferior sequel it is. But there were parts of it that were fun. Yes. But there were parts of it that seemed forced. And they just sort of dragged on. You really didn't need it. But we do have Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner reprising their roles from mm-hmm. the original and Danny DeVito shows yeah, back up, right? He's, he's back in it. Yeah. But you so, really liked romancing this stuff. Oh, I loved it. I thought it was so fun. So it makes me wonder if this had any bearing on Danny DeVito's decision to hire them for War of the Roses cuz oh, he directed that. Good I yeah, good point. I think that's very possible. Yeah. They had great chemistry. Yeah. Oh, they yeah. Palpable. No, that's what I call campfire. <laughs> All right, so over to you Sean. What is your double feature for us today? You saying that was an influential movie for you? No, I'm not I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying I went to college. All right, so I'm going to kick it off with 1984's Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Yes, sir. This of course being the second installment in the Indiana Jones However, series of films set 1 year prior to the events of Raiders. Actually, uh Three years prior. Three years? Okay, but it's set prior. And this is a much darker film. This film is notorious for being one of two films that spawned the PG-13 rating system as well. Because you've got Indiana Jones and Short Round. Yes. Played by uh, the the actor who played Data in The Goonies. Yes. Which was uh, 
Kihu Kwan. Correct. And uh, Willie. Oh, Willie. God. One-eyed Willie. Played by Kate Capshaw, future wife of one uh, Steven Spielberg. Sorry, I was still in, in a Goonies mindset. <clears throat> no, no, no. Okay, so Willie is... Uh, She's the dreadful screaming blonde right. who is constantly in distress and constantly bitching, complaining. Everything that happens wrong in this movie, like everything that goes wrong is mostly her fault. Just mm-hmm. awful. From the get in the Hong Kong restaurant. But anyway, I digress. Uh, Do you know who the guy who put him on the plane was? The guy who put him on the plane? On the plane out of Hong Kong. No. Put both of them. That was Dan Aykroyd. Oh, yeah? In like a fake mustache. Oh, cool. Yeah. Because they leave Hong Kong and uh, the plane crashes and they escape on a raft, which is not plausible, they end up in India and uh, find themselves in the midst of a uh, a thuggy cult mm-hmm. that sac- you know they're enslaving children, they're sacrificing people. Uh, Mola Ram is the big cult leader. And, and they've stolen something. From they've the stolen the uh, the stones. There there were five. Now there's just three stones. Uh, blah blah blah. Not a great not a great movie when you look at the uh, the Indiana Jones film. It's definitely not as good as Raiders or Last Crusade. Correct. But it's better than Crystal Skull. Correct. I agree. Same. Uh, I think we're all in agreement there. So did you know that there is a prequel to this movie? A prequel to the Temple of Doom. Yes. No. What is it? In the movie, there's a dinner scene, the famous dinner scene with the snake surprise and the chilled monkey brains. There is a British general who's talking to Indiana Jones, and the general specifically mentions a um, the decimation of a thuggy cult by a British by the British Army some years before. Well. He's referencing the events that happened in the film Gunga Dean. Oh shit! It's exactly what happens. It's the it's that story about the first encounter with the cult of Kali. Is that what you're pairing with it? Yes, I'm pairing it with Gunga Dean from 1939. Bravo, sir. And Bravo, this... sir. I actually carried water in here myself. So, <laughs> uh, Gunga Dean, of course, starring Cary Grant, uh, Joan Fontaine, Douglas Fairbanks Jr. And it's a very problematic movie by today's standards. Give us a gist of the of the uh, scenario. Uh, we're in colonial Indi- colonial India. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gunga Dean is a uh, Indian servant. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wants to be a soldier in the army, but he's not quite cut out for it. And uh, the similarities between Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom are very strong. It has the same gong opening at the beginning of the film. Uh, they have the same, the, 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 the thuggy cult has the same chant. Okay. The cult leader is sitting like akimbo and he has this very dead eyed. Kalima Shakti day. He has a very deadpan kind of delivery. Um, but yeah, the, the problem with the film of course, is that all of the Indians in the film are British and Americans. Oh, they make, okay. and referencing last week's episode, they, they make Fisher Stevens look authentic. Oh, that's like bad. Th- they don't even try to affect an accent. It's so. But anyway, long story short about the I film. I feel like that there was probably a bunch of Indian people available to act in that movie. Oh, sure. Of course. They the, got a very large population. Uh, yes, they do. But uh, long and the short of it, the British military uh, thwarts the efforts of this cult. Uh, Gunga Dean, of course, sacrifices himself to alert the uh, British military that they're coming, they're falling into a trap 
from the thuggy cult. And of course, this is all based on a poem by Rudyard, uh, Rudyard Kipling, yes. uh, who, who his, also wrote the Jungle Book. He appears in this movie, not him, but an actor portraying him mm-hmm. appears in the film. So yeah, that's my double feature. It's kind of cool that there is a. They say that there's a prequel to this movie there in the is movie. More than a tangential con- connection between these two films, there's serious connective tissue that you would not want to sever. And we'll get in a little bit more about the uh, Indiana Jones concept being derivative of all of these great cliffhangers later all right so i'm going with a double feature from the 1980s the first one is called high road to china from 1983 directed by brian g hutton so a little little preface high road to china is regarded as one of the imitators that populated movie theaters in the years following raiders of the lost ark However, as in the case of Romancing the Stone, another so-called imitator, the source material actually predates the aforementioned Lucasfilm production by four years. Rumor has it that it was given to Selleck as a sort of consolation prize for having to pass on Raiders of the Lost Ark due to scheduling conflicts with Magnum P.I. So, obviously, we have... Uh, Tom Selleck, but first we've got Eve Tozer, played by Bess Armstrong, who is a society heiress living the high life in 1920s Istanbul. I didn't know that was the thing. I didn't know the Roaring Twenties made it to Istanbul. Uh, she needs to find her father, Bradley Tozer, played fa- played by Wilford Brimley. <laughs> oh, diabetes. <laughs> Before he is officially declared dead or risk losing her inheritance to his scheming business partner. And she only has 12 days. So she hires hard-drinking, arrogant World War I ace pilot Patrick O'Malley, played by Tom Selleck. His mechanic struts (laughs) and his aircraft, two biplanes named Dorothy and Lillian after the famous, famous Gish silent film star sisters. Eve, who's also an accomplished pilot, however, is determined to accompany him in his other aircraft, which causes the first of many arguments on the way from Istanbul to China. Their journey through six countries leads them to finally find the eccentric Bradley Tozer in China, where he is helping a small village defend itself against a local warlord. O'Malley and Eve help them to win the final battle, but their only remaining aircraft is damaged in the process, leaving her seemingly unable to meet her deadline. However, spoiler alert from High Road to China, Wilford Brimley doesn't care. He says he can have the company. It's practically bankrupt. All of my, all of my patents are going to you. So she's going to be set anyway. And he's like, I got to stay here and help these people. So it's a pretty cool ending. So I'm going to pair that with Big Trouble in Little China from 1986. We've talked about this several times on the show. Directed by John Carpenter. Uh, It's got a 78% on Rotten Tomatoes. Kurt Russell plays a hard-boiled truck driver named Jack Burton who gets caught in a bizarre conflict within and underneath San Francisco's Chinatown. An ancient Chinese prince and Chinatown crime lord has kidnapped a beautiful green-eyed woman who is the fiancé to Jack's best friend. 
Jack must help his friend rescue the girl before the evil Lopan uses her to break the ancient curse that keeps him fleshless and immortal. (laughs) So, some side notes about this. The first version of the screenplay was written by first-time screenwriters Gary Goldman and David Z. Weinstein. Hopefully no relation. Their rewrites were eventually scrapped because the studio felt the the turn-of-the-century context would immediately alienate audiences. 20th Century Fox brought in screenwriter W.D. Richter, a veteran screen doctor and the director of The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension to extensively rewrite the script, which he did in just 10 days. Oh, wow. So that's my my double feature. I think it. it, it speaks for itself. Love it. All right, that brings us to our feature segment which is the recast and this is where we each all of us we watch a movie ahead of time an older film and then we scavenge our brains for ideas about who would play those actors in a contemporary context right yes. actors who are at, at the, the height of their, their powers, powers. So the first film that's going to get that treatment is the aforementioned Raiders of the Lost Ark from 1981. It was directed by Steven Spielberg, written by George Lucas. It's got a 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. I have never seen an Indiana Jones film before. Before this week. Before this week. And did you watch this one first? Yes. As you should. Um, And your thoughts? It was so fun. It's like almost the perfect popcorn movie. Yeah. Sean, your thoughts on the movie in general? This movie was huge. I was in third grade when it came out, and I remember seeing it advertised on the marquees of various movie theaters. Raiders is all it would say. Right. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? And then the merchandise and the books and things started coming out. And then, because we didn't have internet then. Yeah. And I was third grade. I'm not watching the news to find out what movies are coming out. But then I started seeing, oh, this is something i need to see you know i had the comic book i had the storybook and and we have in our in our possession right now what is this this is the uh the the book and record the 24 page read-along book and record the 33 of raiders of the lost ark yeah i've got still have mine and uh this was huge man i always want and i wanted a bullwhip yeah i asked i had a bullwhip i had actually multiple bullwhips and i got very good with that see i asked my mom can i have a bullwhip and she said when you're much older and i said like when i'm 40 and she said yeah (laughs) you should have had you should have had john for a dad because he was all about that jeez uh but yeah it's it, it was my life for 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 a very brief period of time raiders of the lost ark was everything but you alluded to this last week with the trivia question we've talked yeah. about it a little bit uh, you know Steven Spielberg, George Lucas, very much impacted by the the cliffhanger serials of the time. Right, very much a derivative film, but original in its own right. You know, and so we mentioned the 1954 movie uh, Secret of the Incas. Yeah, and, and I then you also talked about Valley of the Kings. I tried to find Valley of the Kings, did. and I can't find it. But the I can't find it anywhere, and I have some friends in low places. But the plot essentially is Raiders. They're trying to follow the footsteps and discover Joseph of Arimathea, Arimathea and that he's real and the, this you know, and proving it and what have you. I watched the trailer for the movie 
And although a little bit 50 skewed, you know, a lot of uh, she's a woman in a camp among men, you know, that kind of thing was happening. But beyond that, it did echo a lot of the Raiders sentiments. All right. Should I run through the plot description real quick? Sure. All right. So it's an epic tale in which an intrepid archaeologist tries to beat a band of Nazis to a unique religious relic, which is central to their plans for world domination. Battling against snake phobia, and I don't think that's the scientific term, and a vengeful ex-girlfriend, Indiana Jones is in constant peril, making hair's breadth escapes at every turn in the celebration of the innocent adventure movies of an earlier era. Even though it is the first film in the Indiana Jones franchise, it is actually set three years prior to the events of the sequel, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. After, right after, after three movie. years after my bad this movie has the distinction also of being one film that uh the outcome of the plot has nothing to do with the main character top men all right speaking of top men first we've got indiana jones played by harrison ford who was 39 at the time i've got 39 i do too then we've got marion ravenwood who is his former flame his old flame and also the daughter of his old colleague. Uh, she's played by Karen Allen, who was 30 at the time. Next, we've got Renee Belloc, 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 played by Paul Freeman, who was 38 at the time. He's playing a Frenchman, but he's actually British. Yeah, French, French archaeologist, rival. Yeah. Yes, he, one of his main rivals. And there was a recent interview with him where he said he would totally consider... Uh, reprising his role as the, oh, that'd be great. I'm sure he would. Uh, next, we've got Sala, played by the great, uh, the great John Rhys Davies, who's actually Welsh, yes, but got typecast as Middle Eastern throughout his career. Yeah, I'll talk about that again at the uh, movie marathon. Then we've got um, Marcus Brody, who is an official or curator at the Museum of of which Indiana Jones is affiliated. He's kind of his uh, handler in a way. Colleague. Yes. Yeah, handler, yeah. Uh, Marcus Brody was played by Denim Elliott, who was 59 at the time. All right, over to you, Chelsea. Who's your Indiana? My Indiana, the actor is mostly known for TV. And he was on Arrow, The Flash, Supergirl, kind of all those things. I went with Stephen... Amel. Ah, Stephen Amel. Oh, thank you. Amel. Stephen Amel. That dude. Yeah, he's got a brother who's also an actor as well, right? Yeah. yeah. I shopped him. Well, in Arrow, he is kind of nerdy and really articulate and t intelligent. Yeah, athletic. There's something yeah. about him that sort of <clears throat> made me think of Indiana. Gotcha. All right, over to you, Sean. Who's your pick? Okay, I really didn't want to pick this one, uh, but I started down a path, and it's going to be a connect the dots recast round for me. So this actor, very smarmy, very cocky, very arrogant, essentially playing Indiana Jones in his most famous current role. He's 42 years old. You'd know him from Jurassic World, Parks and Rec, and Guardians of the Galaxy. I went with Chris Pratt. Yeah. All right, so my pick is uh, 38 now. He was in White Oleander. He was in Saved, exclamation point. He's in a TV show called Outcast, and he was 
the main role, the star of Almost Famous. His name is Patrick Fugit. I'm hoping it's Fugit and not Fugit. I see He's it. not quite as pretty boy as Harrison Ford was at the time, but I think that this remake calls for a more rugged uh, adventurer. Got it. All right. Next up, we've got the old flame, the love interest, the I'm your goddamn partner, Marion Ravenwood, uh, played by the great Karen Allen, who was 30 at the time. Chelsea, who did you think about for this? My actress was in The Perks of Being a Wallflower, Mm -hmm. The Final Girls, Vampire Diaries. I went with Nina Dobrev. Dobrev. Thank you. Nina Dobrev. Well, in Vampire Diaries, she kind of has that same spunky spirit. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, all right, you can pull this off. The very opening scene, not the opening scene, but the first scene we see Karen Allen in, she's in a bar in Mongolia that Mm -hmm. she owns doing a drinking contest with like this big dude and he's like a till of the hunt. Yeah. And she drinks him under the table and wins the money. And then Indy walks in. My actress is 37 years old. And I, this is where my whole connected dot started. I said, who would I want to drink with? And this actress came to mind. Um, She was in dirty grandpa, the to-do list. Ingrid goes West. And she co-starred with Chris Pratt in Parks and Rec. She's, with, a, she's uh, about the right age. I went with Aubrey Plaza. Yeah, she's, she's a, great, She's a little dude. older. She's 37. But, okay. Uh, yeah, I shopped her, dude. That's a good pick. Uh, she could definitely, uh, she could be a hostile witness. Let's put it that way. All right, so my pick is 29 now. Uh, she's known for playing the younger version of Jennifer Garner's characters in 13 Going on 30 and Ghosts of Girlfriends Past, Hmm. as well as her role on Revenge as socialite Charlotte Grayson. Her name is Krista B. Allen. Krista B. Allen. They're both Allens. I decided to keep it in the family. Good for you. I like it. All right, next up, we've got Belloc, played by Paul Freeman, who was 38. He was actually British, but he's playing a French archaeologist. And Chelsea, where did you go with this? I wanted this character to just be a little bit darker. Oh, in terms of personality and attitude. Yeah, for sh- I wanted. Persona. I just wanted it to him to be a little bit more menacing. Mm-hmm. And I think this actor can do it based on a character he played in. Um, I always say this wrong. Ex Machina. Ex Machina. I went with Oscar Isaac. Oscar Isaac is good. Over to you, Sean. All right, my actor's 38 years old. He is also British. Uh, he can be seen in The Guest, Beauty and the Beast, uh-huh. Downton Abbey. He was incidentally in Call of the Wild yep. with Harrison Ford, yep. but he was in Legion. Legion. With my previous recast, Aubrey Plaza. I went with Dan Stevens. Very good, sir. Very good. I like it. All right, well, I, I also went uh, British slash UK. I went with an Irish actor. 38 now he was in the harry potter franchise as bill weasley he's in about Mm. time ex machina and the revenant i went with donal gleason good job i like it he's my belloc next up we've got the role of sala who's one of my favorite characters in the whole franchise he's his chubby contact in various places He's played by John Rhys Davies, who's actually Welsh, 
But over the years, he's been typecast so many times as Middle Eastern. He probably has made the most of his money as playing Middle Eastern characters. But he's also an accomplished uh, thespian on stage as well. So and we have dwarf. To give him, and a what? Dwarf. He's not a dwarf. Oh, uh, yeah. He was Gimli. Oh, okay. But he's not actually a <laughs> no, dwarf he's not in a real dwarf. life. Salah, played by John Rhys Davies, 37. Chelsea? He was probably my favorite as well. Yeah. So just hear me out on this, okay? So we're going to pretend that Salah's parents adopted somebody. Okay. Like, this isn't their biological kid. Because okay. this is very much a white actor. Okay. But it just it made me... I thought of him immediately when I fell in love with Salah in this film. And okay. I think about him from his role on Parks and Rec. Okay. Chris Pratt. Oh, I want oh, him to wow. play that character. Okay. That's interesting. And so, he, all right. I can see it. He's going to start out as a shine boy. Yes. <laughs> there was right. just something about it. Over yes. to you, Sean. Okay. So, my actor is... Uh, I've aged him up. He's 53. And uh, he can be seen in... Things such as Charlie Wilson's War, 12 Strong, Aladdin, uh, Homeland. Incidentally, he played the character Sala Mm-mm. in Castlevania, the animated series. Based on the video game? Yeah. But uh, people would know him from his role in Legion with Dan Stevens. I went with Navid Negaban. All right. Can we also just give me props for recognizing that Castlevania is a video game? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty I was impressed. pretty proud of you. <laughs> yeah. All right, so my pick is actually Egyptian. He's 30 now. He's in Why Him? One Crazy Cruise. Don't worry, he won't get far on foot. And Mr. Robot, but it's a different Rami. His name's Rami Youssef. Rami Youssef is my pick. And I think that... Oh, wow, you even got the little red hat to I mimic. didn't I love do it. that. He was just wearing that hat. That's interesting. Good deal. <laughs> That's great. All right, we got one more in this movie. It's Marcus Brody. Uh, he's a colleague of Dr. Jones at the museum and university. He was played by the great Denim Elliott, who was 59 at the time. And he's very British. He's like staunch. <laughs> All right, so over to you, Chelsea. My actor is kind of an undercover badass, okay. which I think this character needs. Uh, he was in Nobody, he's in Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul. I went with Bob Odenkirk. Ah, okay, so he's not British. He's not, but he can totally do the accent. It'll I don't. Be fine. He, do, he might not even need to. He might just need to do Bob Odenkirk. Right. And it would be just fine. I kind of agree. Yeah, fair enough. Over to you, Sean. All right, I went with a 60-year-old actor. You would know him from the series of Hobbit movies. Yep. He was in the recent, uh, oof, I call it right-wing porn, Rambo. Uh, but uh, you would know him also from the Witcher TV series. Oh, and also he was the voice of Dracula in the Castlevania series. He's Scottish. His name's Graham McTavish. Graham McTavish, I am not familiar with. He but... was he was Dwalin in the uh, Hobbit films. Okay, so he was a dwarf. Yes. Not, oh, he... <laughs> not a real dwarf, though. Not a real dwarf. <laughs> All right, so my pick for Marcus Brody... Uh, I think is probably a little bit on the nose, but he's 60 now. He was in Pride and Prejudice, The King's Speech, and Bridget Jones' Diary. It's Colin Firth. Nice. Very nice. I like that. 
He's if he doesn't scream Marcus Brody at the museum, I don't know what does. Right. All right. So that wraps us up on the recast of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Any final thoughts? Chelsea, go first. Um, everybody should watch this. If they haven't already, they need to. Yeah. It's one of the best movies. Don't be a Chelsea and wait to watch this. It's such a fun movie. Yeah. Don't wait until you're 45 years old. Okay, like shut Chelsea. the fuck up. I'm 34. All right. I like the movie a lot as well. And uh, thanks to my dad, John, for introducing me to it. With that, we're going to head into intermission, but not before we say... Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby and get ourselves some fortune and glory, kid. Fortune and glory. (laughs) And for those of you just tuning in, you're listening to the Chop Shop Morning Zoo on WCCS 85.5 FM. The Shop with Travisito, the brew boss. And me, Chelsea, the regulator. Well, we'll be breaking down the recast of your precious childhood movies. All All morning morning long. (laughs) And if you can't listen on your toilet or in your car, just search for Son of a Chop Shop. On podbean.com. And it came to pass that the Lord Pod saith unto the chop shoppers to go forth, to rate, to review, and to subscribe to Cinema Chop Shop on all of your social media and your podcaster apps. Now it's about time for the holy sacrament of a beer check-in. You too can follow the path to Cinema Chop Shop on Untapped. That's U-N-T-A-P-P-D. Everyone, hallelujah. hallelujah! Praise Jesus! Amen. Well, hello there, all you naughty chop shoppers. So, you like to listen? Oh, you're bad. Wouldn't you also love to see all of our hot pictures and posts on our very own social media? Just search for Cinema Chop Shop on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram if you think you can handle it. This weekend on CCS Wrestling. Woo! If you miss this event, you suck! Woo! It'll be the ultimate recasting extravaganza you have ever seen. Between the challenger... Trontastic Ron! I'm gonna rip his face off! Woo! And the defending champ... Little Thanos! You ain't got nothing, brother! I can't stop saying woo! It's an actual medical condition! So if you've got a problem with that, we'll see you in Gmail where you can send us comments, corrections, concerns, and complaints. That's cinemajobshop at gmail.com. Do you need a used movie? Good credit, bad credit, no credit, no problem. Come on down to Wacky Trav's Cinema Chop Shop Blowout Sale. He's He's out out of of his mind. mind. Where we can guarantee you, you'll go home happy. Social security number, criminal background check, and blood sample required. Side effects may include euphoria, hallucinations, and delusions of grandeur. So please remember to watch Chop Retrofit. And we're back. Thank you, Chop Shoppers, for bearing with us. Uh, Sean and I peed in the yard, and Chelsea did not because she's a lady. 
Fucking right. And when we come back from intermission, what do we like to do, Sean? Beer check-ins. What do we got? This is Drinks Well with Otters. It's a double India Pale Ale from our friends at Westbrook Brewing. All right. It's an 8.5% ABV uh, brewed with Galaxy Simcoe El Dorado hops. That's a, I like that that's, combination. Yep. With uh, intense, intense aromas of orange zest, ripe pineapple, and peach. That hop profile is the combination to my IPA locker. <laughs> All right, so we're going to check that out. And while we do, are we talking about the 2021 Movie Marathon? Yes, we are. All right, so the 2021 Movie Marathon is an exercise in stamina where we try to watch as many movies as we can throughout the calendar year. Uh, The original goal was one per day, but some people like to go way above and beyond and so today is actually the 168th day of the year as of this recording. Sean, what number are you on? 203. Chelsea? 241. I'm on 168, like a gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> so Chelsea, what's your first check-in today? Uh, it's a movie from 2021, and it's on Netflix. It's called Awake, and it stars Gina Rodriguez. It's kind of supposed to be a horror film. Okay. But it got really shit reviews. And did you enjoy it more than the reviews would have led you to believe? Uh, I was pretty in the middle, but okay. kind of on the side of them. It is a little boring, but the concept's really interesting. So basically, all of the power is cut. Like everybody's car dies. There's nothing. At the same time, nobody can fall asleep. Like they just okay. physically cannot sleep, but there are some people who can. There's no power, but you can't fall asleep. Yeah. I've been there. <laughs> so the the concept was interesting and there are parts of it that are fun, but overall it's just kind of meh. All right. Fair enough. Over to you, Sean. All right. I'm checking in Sphinx from 1981. Sphinx. Now, is this a action adventure? This is an action adventure movie. With John Rhys Davies, and it's set in Egypt, and he's Middle Eastern. You should. You uh, did actually send me a reference to this. Yeah, this I mentioned week, this. I to should you. have. I should have clicked on it. Uh, he is the. He's one of the villains, but he, he's a bad guy. Yeah. All right. All right. So picture a super tedious version of Raiders, with a redheaded female protagonist being pawed at by. Every villain in the film, and you've got this a, is also Secret of the Incas. <laughs> you pretty the so so yeah. This movie doesn't know what it is. It's kind of a romance. It's kind of a adventure movie. It's kind of a mystery. It's really bad, really bad. A lot of gunplay, bad gunplay. Nothing exciting, and just odd that it was a John Reese Davies release in the same year, in the same genre, playing another Egyptian. Same year as Raiders? Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, he gets paid. My first check-in is also an action-adventure called The Edge of the World. And uh, it does not star John Reese davies but it does star Jonathan Reese myers Gotcha. Who you would know from The Tudors and various drunken scandals. Uh, so... Based on the exploits of adventurer James Brooke, who was the inspiration for Joseph Conrad's Lord Jim and is mentioned in Rudyard Kipling's 
the man who would be king. It was promising. I looked forward to it, but it fell short of epic for me. All right, you're up next, Chelsea. My next check-in is from 2008. It's Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. So did did Dan Aykroyd give you a bottle of vodka to watch this? I wish. This was awful. I really didn't like this. I was bored. Even though it stars Shia LaBeouf? <laughs> well, fuck him. I found myself on my phone just sort of listening to it because nothing sort of hooked me. Like and they the other one. Karen Allen, too. I know. Listen, was I had the swinging from the vine no. scene with the. Oh, that was the, the only monkeys. part when I looked up and I was like, I wish I could do that with some monkeys. Okay. But listen, I'm pissed off about the ending. Um, Harrison Ford only has one woman in his life, and her name is Princess Leia, and Shia LaBeouf is not his son, Kylo Ren is. So they can all fuck themselves. What about the refrigerator part where he survives a nuclear blast <laughs> by getting a lead lined refrigerator? No, wait, it was a frigidaire <laughs> refrigerator. I'm going to piggyback that. I found it to be so overindulgent. All of the sequences were way too long. There was a suspicious lack of smart editing. And then Kate Blanchett's character was nothing more than Natasha Fatale from Rocky and Bullwinkle. Yes. It was so yeah. fucking stupid. That's fair. All right. So my next pick is going to be a movie I actually did kind of enjoy. It's called Stardust from 2020. And it's a speculative biopic of Bowie's pre-Ziggy efforts in the States. Johnny Flynn plays David Bowie, and he's uncanny. It's very good casting. Like, whoever did that should come on our show, because that's what we do here. Uh, but it also stars Mark Marin as his agent slash representative, and Mark Marin is just Mark Marin. He's just playing Mark Marin, which I think that's his, like, that's his one thing that he does is just be Mark Marin. Uh, but yeah, if you want to watch a David Bowie biopic, this is a pretty good one. My only complaint was that it's called Stardust and spoiler alert, he does not adopt the persona of Ziggy Stardust until the final scene of the movie. It's more about him realizing that American audiences weren't accepting what he was putting on the table and having to compromise himself did it talk about his family at all a little bit yeah they talked about his schizophrenic brother and that was a that was actually a pretty big plot point yeah in the movie okay yeah all right you're up next my last check-in is from 2021 it's called thunder force with melissa mccarthy octavia spencer and fucking jason bateman i think you actually pronounced the title wrong i think it's pronounced thunder force thank you for that yes Appreciate uh, it. This movie it was probably directed by Melissa McCarthy's husband. Um, it's funny, but in my opinion, yeah, a little bit one, played out. I was going to say this one also kind of got bad reviews, but I enjoyed this one much more than Awake. Okay. All right. That's cool. Sean? All right. I went kind of to the source. I went to 1935's Captain Blood. Captain Blood. Uh, this is kind of one of those OG action Pirate adventure movies. movies. 
You've got uh, Errol Flynn bringing the swagger. Um, mm-hmm. It's in the time of King James. And the syphilis. Well, it's in the time of King James. He's a physician. And because he helps to aid someone who is in the rebellion, he then becomes convicted. And uh, instead of hanging, he gets sent to Jamaica as a slave. And through ser- you know various circumstances... Becomes a swashbuckling pirate Mm -hmm. and then becomes the governor of Jamaica and kind of sticks it to the guy that was his overlord in the beginning. I think they got the point. (laughs) Ha ha! Bazing! No, this is, you know, one of those films I watched in looking at some of those inspirational films behind the Indiana Jones kind of movies. Um, It's a lot of fun. It's one of those spectacles where you're like, wow, they really spent a fuck ton of money on boats and guns and splintering wood. I mean, there's some really cool practical effects that uh, by today's standards would break the bank. All right. So speaking of spending a lot of money, my uh, final check-in for this week is going to be The Great Buster, which is the title of my debut porn. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, it's a documentary about Buster Keaton. It's called The Great Buster, uh, colon, A Celebration from 2019, 2018, I think. Uh, A love letter to one of the greatest silent film stars, a visionary of physical comedy, and a pioneer in cinema. The only reason that he was not a titan in, like, the golden age of cinema is because... He was a pantomime actor. He knew how to do things without dialogue. And the world of cinema just kind of left him behind. Now, he did uh, continue to act into his later years. In fact, he was in the Beach Blanket Bingo series. Yes, he was. And also... Ooh, that problematic Native American character. Yikes. That was Buster Keaton. So it did actually cause me to go and watch the movie the general about the train which is probably considered like his best known feature he plays a confederate which he thought that audiences would find more identifiable as opposed to the the uh pro the antagonist union uh but there's so many sight gags and pratfalls in fact i learned from watching this documentary that at the time the term buster meant somebody who can fall down and get back up. We got another beer to check in. First, I would say that this one's pretty good. I like it a lot. Yeah, the tropical nature of it's really nice. Um, So the next one we're going to do is called Spicy Pickle Monster. This is from Prairie Artisan Ales in Oklahoma. It is a uh, sour ale with uh, spicy dill pickles, orange, lemon, and lime. I'm here for it. I am too. And we've had uh, pickle beers before that have more pickle flavor than this, uh, but it's a nice balanced sour, I think. I'm going to pass this over to you. Uh, this reminds me of the pickle brine that I made for my pickled eggs, which give me very bad gas. I think it's really tasty. Um, there's a nice balance to it. I think the lemon, lime, and orange kind of... It- Could you see it as a pickle back? Like some people do a pickle back to a tequila. Mm -hmm. Like you take the shot of tequila and then you do. Oh yeah. This is, this would be, that would be really, really fun with some uh, cheap ass tequila. Yeah. With that, we are going into the second part of our feature segment, 
The Recast Continued. Part two. The sequel. To be continued. And this one is a nightmare. Dude. What the fuck? This is called Runaway Train. This is proof that Rotten Tomatoes is not always right. Yeah, it's got a 86% on Rotten Tomatoes. It got three Oscar nominations. No. It was written by Akira Kurosawa. And it's pretty much terrible, which is why all of my picks are going to be very comedic. Quick rundown of the plot of this movie. It's an action thriller. It actually said in the description philosophical action thriller what was the philosophy all right so uh action thriller about two escaped prisoners who hide on board a train speeding through alaska the driver suffers a fatal heart attack and the train races out of control through the wilderness with the railroad signalman unable to stop it and a vindictive prison warden desperately pursuing them by helicopter the train's passengers look set to face disaster. <laughs> so my original, my original like thought was to do the the prison break guys. Yeah, but I didn't do it. I I went comedic. But the roles that we're going to recast, uh, we've got Oscar Manny Mannheim, played by John Voight, who was forty seven. Then we've got Buck McGee. Played by Eric Roberts. Oh, God. 29 at the time. And if Julia Roberts is from Georgia, Eric Roberts must also be from Georgia. He was born in Biloxi, Mississippi. So why is his Southern accent so bad? Uh, Chelsea, what were your thoughts on this character? Uh, I fucking hated everything about this film. He was very annoying. Yeah. Next, we've got the role of Sarah. Played by a very young Rebecca De Mornay. She was just 26 at the time. And she's some sort of worker on the train who, after they take it over, she remains stranded there. And then finally, we've got the warden, Warden Rankin, played by John P. Ryan, who was 49 at the time. And as I watched this, the only thing I could see was a young Dennis Hopper. With that being said, are we ready to recast? Oh, yes. Let's, yeah, let's please, get this over with. Please, let's be done with this. All right, so Chelsea, over to you. Oh, hey, guess what? I hated this movie, so I'm picking actors I hate. As you are wont to do. This actor was in Keeping the Faith, Primal Fear, a bunch of other shit, just a problematic person, went with Edward Norton. Edward Norton. <laughs> <laughs> this actor uh, will be 48 very soon. And I think there's a little face value in it. He was in 13 Hours, Puzzle, Brightburn. Yeah. He's currently in Mayor of Easttown. Was he in The Office? He was in The Office. Did you pick him? No. I went with David Denman. Yeah, he's good. I like him a lot. That's a good, that's a really good pick. And I would love to see him in this like hardened criminal role. I think this could actually be remade and made better because it was so shittily done. My, uh, as I mentioned, my approach to this was because it's laughable, I'm making it a comedy. So I also went with facial hair value. My pick for the role of Oscar Manny Mannheim is 44 now. He was in Pineapple Express. (laughs) This is the end. (laughs) Oh, shit. Eastbound and Down. His name is Danny McBride. 
Oh, yeah. A.K.A. Kenny Powers, <laughs> which is what I usually call him. <laughs> All right. Next up, we've got the shithead, the young buck who's, oh, his name's actually Buck. As Buck McGee, Eric Roberts, who is 29, and he fancies himself a boxer. Doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like He's it. in the ring with uh, Danny Trejo. And Danny Trejo makes an appearance in this as well as... Tiny Lister. Tiny Lister, a.k.a. Debo. Sorry for cutting you off, Chelsea. Where are you going with this? Um, this is also somebody that I hate and I think everybody else does too now. He was in Face Off, Dracula 2000, but everyone would know him from that 70s show with Danny Masterson. <laughs> Whoa. Danny Masterson was in Dracula 2000? Yeah, I know. I was a little blown away by that, too. (laughs) I hope he was a victim. (laughs) And Danny's probably going to be in prison very, very soon. Yeah. That makes sense. Over to you, Sean. Your pick for Buck McGee. I, you know, I picked this actor just because I thought it'd be fun to see him in this dumb role of being the lapdog, kind of starry-eyed, worshipping the big bad guy. He's 29 years old. He was in uh, Les Mis in concert. He was in Camp Rock. He was in Midway. And he did pretty good in the Jumanji reboot with Nick Jonas. Nick Jonas. All right. Yeah, I I think he's actually going to have a decent movie career. My pick for Buck McGee, fuck buckles. Uh, <laughs> he's 28 now. He was in Descendants 2 and 3. Mm-hmm. I don't know why he wasn't in Descendants 1. He's in a movie called Odd Man Rush. And he's also in a show that I think we all like called Letterkenny. His name is Dylan Playfair. Yeah. Dylan Playfair is going to be the hockey playing Canadian guy who's in prison in Alaska who makes his escape. I shopped him. Did you? Yep. All right. Next up, we've got Rebecca DeMornay. Now, I don't know what happened between 1985 and 1990, but she was not attracted in this movie. All right, so the role of Sarah, played by Rebecca DeMornay, she was 26. Chelsea. Um, I iconically dislike this actress. She was in the stupid fucking Twilight series. She was in some dumbass movie called Underwater. Hmm. And my Seaberg haircut's way fucking better than hers. I went with Kristen Stewart. Oh, okay. Nicely done. We had no idea where you were going with I know, that. right? I went with a 26-year-old actress. She was in Split. She was in Edge of 17. Yep. Columbus and Five Feet Apart. Oh, Boy, I love her. don't you wish they had named it Six Feet Apart? Anyway... Haley Lou Richardson. Haley Lou Richardson. I shopped her, dude. My pick for Sarah is 24 now. She was in Assassination Nation. (laughs) Other People. And The King of Staten Island. She's also comedic royalty. Her name is Maude Apatow. Nice. Nice. Maude Apatow is going to be the Sarah in this uh, comedic remake of Runaway Train. We got one more role, right? We do. The Warden. Mm-hmm. Warden Rankin. The person I fucking hate the most. Oh, God. Here we go. John Hamm. 
John Hamm. <laughs> I didn't know that he was at the top of the hierarchy of hatred. I fucking hate him. All right. He he does ham it up quite a lot. Ham bone. Uh, all right. Sean, who's your pick? Uh, my actor is um, 51 years old. And uh, he was in Gods of Egypt. Yep. Ugh. Oblivion. Mm-hmm. N- Natha Vodkin. Which would be a Danish film. It uh, means another vodka, please. But everybody would know him from Game of Thrones as Jamie Lannister. I went with Nikolai Kosterwaldu. All right. Okay. I can see that as him being the evil warden who pursues via helicopter. Doggedly pursuing his prey. Yeah. I went with a guy, as, as I've said, this is a comedy. Yeah. And I went with a guy who uh, is 48 now. He's slightly younger than the original warden. He was in They Came Together. He was in John Wick Parabellum. He was in the Lego Batman movie. He's also one of our peers from How Did This Get Made? His name is Jason Manzoukas <laughs> as the warden. I love I it. Love it. So he's going to be the best part, and he's not even going to play it comedically. He's going to be straight up villainous. I like that. Yeah. All right, so final thoughts on Runaway Train. How did this movie get an 86 in Rotten Tomatoes? Just please don't fucking watch this. Make it as a comedy. It's 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 awful. It's, it's terrible. Mm-hmm. All right, well, are you guys ready for our bonus segment? Yeah, yes. anything but a Runaway Train. <laughs> it's going to be a battle royale between three action-adventure heroes. We've got a battle royale to the death in their prime. Between Indiana Jones, Alan Quartermain, and Jack T. Colton. Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones. All right, I'm going Jack T. Colton. That's that's a good that's a good choice. Yeah, because he's like the cool Indiana Jones. He is. Uh, Indiana Jones is already cool. Go fuck yourself. Eh, you know. Is he? He is. <laughs> you know, landing in a pool of mud water. With your face and a girl's crotch is a good way to get thrown. I mean, that mudslide, I would do it again. Well, I good... would go back to the top and do it again. That's how you get throat cancer. Oh, you stole my joke! <laughs> <laughs> That's what I said yeah. the first time I saw it. All right, Chelsea, I want to thank you for all of the regulation that you do. Anything you want to plug? Trivia. We had 13 teams to yeah, start that was with great. last night. Uh, pretty... Pretty stressful on my end. Good thing you had an assistant. Good thing we got Marco. Uh, But yeah, Trivia will be back next week. Oh, I want to thank my co-host, the engineer, and the producer of this podcast. Anything you want to plug, sir? No. Nothing? All right. Well, I certainly look forward to meeting your parents for the first time this weekend. (laughs) And you know what next week's episode is. It is going to be a watch party. It's Chelsea's pick. Watch party number two. We're watching the never ending story. And I do have a sneak preview question and answer for next week's trivia about this movie. And I really think that Chelsea's going to nail it in the first try. But what is the childlike Empress's new name that Bastion screams into the night? It sounds like a hippie. I know. Hippie name that a 
hippie parents God. named their hippie I could Jesus never Christ. I could never understand it when I was a kid. No, I it's could... like moon something. Yeah. Oh, moon shit. what? Shit. If the moon had a baby. Oh, moon child. Moon sorry. Moon child. You got it. The answer, the right answer at Right Answers with Wrong Travis next Wednesday is Moonchild for the first question in the Cinema Chop Shop category. We want to plug the podcast itself. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us on all of your podcatcher apps. We are hosted online on podbean.com. We're Cinema Chop Shop on there. We are at Cinema Chop Shop on Twitter. We are Cinema Chop Shop on Facebook and Gmail. Cin- Cinema Chop Shop at gmail.com. And all the beers that we checked in today, we're going to check in on Untapped. That's U-N-T-A-P-P-D. We're Cinema Chop Shop on there. And also on YouTube, there's still some things on there. We got to get some new content up, but there's some things on there. On YouTube, we are Cinema Chop Shop Podcast on there. We want to say farewell to you, the Chop Shoppers out there, the listeners. Please get that vax and... Remember to tell people that you love them because life is too short. And also, please remember to watch Chop Retrofit. Retrofit.